Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my Mad Grab for Power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. You are our favorite. Specifically you. Yeah. I know that someone else listening to this probably thinks it's them, but it's not. It's you. Yeah. We didn't want to tell them, but we really do love you more. Don't let on. Yeah. You're really our favorite. You've always been our favorite. That's just between us, though. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. Um, and I love you more than Tom loves you. That is so not true. That is definitely true. Look in your bank account. I don't know what that means. I just bought their love. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, no, actually, we need you to buy our love by supporting us on Patreon, <laughs> I guess. So that doesn't work. Never mind. More on that later. Uh, Tom, what are you drinking? I'm drinking water because I'm feeling boring and old. See, when I'm feeling boring and old, I drink. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference between you and I. That's because you're younger. See, when I was your age, that's I did the <laughs> that's same. That's how you handled it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I'm drinking a Golden State Cider. I love a Golden State Cider. Those are good ciders. Yeah. It's I love the, a cider, uh, and Golden State Ciders are particularly good. Yeah, this is the Gingergrass Hard Cider. Oh, I don't know if I've had the Gingergrass from them. It's really good. They make it's a lot of good, good ones, though. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. I am, too. We're not sponsored by Golden State Cider. I, I bet you thought I was going to go to the next section. At that I thought moment, you were, didn't you? or possibly make a Golden State Warriors joke. Actually, Those were the I was two about directions. <laughs> I was about to take another sip, and then I realized the expectation was that I move on to the next section. Ah, you were? Uh, you, did you need me to cover so the beat? Well, I did. I yeah, did. I'm doing it right now. If oh, you wanted shoot. to take a sip, like that's why I'm talking right now, mm-hmm. so that you can just mm-hmm. plug that right down and say, mm, "That's a delicious Golden State Cider." Let's jump into the quick burns. Yes, indeed. Uh, in fact, we have the first quick burn from Nokomis.fl uh, pointing out that Dennis E. Taylor's rewrite of Outland is coming to Audible on May 16th, and you can pre-order it now. Well, it's actually after May 16th, probably, for many of you, so just order it, because you can order it now. And this is the the Dennis E. Taylor of Bobaverse. Is that right? I believe that is the the Dennis C. Taylor that we're discussing. Yes, it is. It is. Okay, I'm just making sure because mm-hmm. no, it's you a know, good question. Make sure that people get excited. Yes, we um, are Legion. We are Bob. That Dennis C. Taylor. Perfect. And then Dara says, or Daryl. I'm not sure if that was a miscopy. <laughs> no, that's just a typo. Okay. <laughs> that could be a pronunciation guide, but it's not. Darrell uh, says that the 2019 <laughs> Locus Award finalists have been announced over on tour.com. And yeah, another year, another set of spectacular authors and books. And this is me covering for myself while the link was loading. And the uh, Locus <laughs> Awards will be awarded in Seattle the weekend of June 28th through the 30th with Connie Willis. <gasps> That's very cool. Um, so for science fiction novel, we have uh, On the Docket, Record of a Spaceborn Few by Becky yes. Chambers, The Calculating Stars by Mary yes. Robinette Cole, If Tomorrow Comes by Nancy Kress. Crap, now I have to say yes every time or it sounds like Yeah, now it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Revenant Gun by Yoon, Yoon yes. Ha Lee, Blackfish City by Sam J. Miller, 
Yes. Embers of War by Gareth L. Powell. Elysium Fire by Alastair Reynolds. Red Moon by Kim Stanley Robinson. Unholy Land by Lavi Tidar. And Space Opera by Catherine M. Valenti. Yes. Actually, those are, I, I legitimately could give a yes for pretty much every one of those. Those That's an amazing collection. Mm-hmm. Would you like to do a fantasy novel? Sure. Uh, don't do the mistake that I did. Uh, fantasy novel nominees, Lies Sleeping, Ben Aronovich, Foundry Side, Robert Jackson Bennett, Yay! The Monster Baru Cormorant, Seth Dickinson, oh, shoot. Yay! Deep Roots by Ruth Anna Everest, <laughs> Ahab's Return by Jeffrey Ford, European Travel for the Monstrous Gentlewoman Ooh. by Theodora Goss, The Mere Wife by Maria Devonag Headley, The Wonder Engine by T. Kingfisher, Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, and Creatures of Want and Ruin by Molly. Yeah. So I got to say some great novels in here and yeah, we're a little biased. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that we're not. We have read some of these books and we like them. That's the only bias we have. We read some of them and we haven't read others. We may have had a beer with Robert Jackson Bennett once. And I drank a lot of bourbon. I'm pretty sure with Robert Jackson Bennett and his his wonderful wife. Good good correction. Who kept me good and drunk during the Hugo Awards last year. So good on (laughs) you. Thanks, Mrs. Bennett. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and of course, there's also there's also a horror novel, young adult book, and first novel. So there's some great uh, newisher authors. Uh, yeah, there as uh, well. Rebecca Roanhorse, Trail of Lightning, uh, one of the first novel nominees. I noticed absolutely, and also the Poppy War um, by R. F. Kuang, which I'm hoping to read pretty soon. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> thinking, thinking. Uh, mm-hmm, so great, mm-hmm. some great nominees. Congratulations to everyone. Mm-hmm. Well. Yes. For picking the book. For picking that comes the books. But yeah, I didn't mean menstruation. <laughs> That's a totally different thing. Uh, hey, Sai uh, wrote, my wife and I went to see Exploring Mars by National Geographic the day before I began reading The Martian Chronicles. If it's going to be in a city close to you. It's worth the ticket price. What a, what a great complimentary viewing. I love this. Uh, yeah, it's very thematic. I like that. So you can, um, there's a talk, uh, Kobe Boykins, a NASA engineer, um, gives a talk and you can view tour dates. Let's see if there's anything coming near us. Greenville, out here in South California. Carolina, Indianapolis and Thousand Oaks. It's coming near me. Oh, nice. that's so nice. Congratulations. Yeah. So check it out Thanks. for sure. And I'm the best. I win. Good for you. <laughs> and then uh, Mark says uh, there's a dedication of Ray Bradbury statue planned for August 2019 in his hometown of Waukegan, Illinois. Did Nicely I, done. Did I say that right? Waukegan. Waukegan. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Have Not you bad. have you been there? I have. Did you know uh, that that was the the birthplace of Ray Bradbury? I did not. I had I if I did I'd forgotten and I don't remember. You know how sometimes people remind you like, "Oh yeah, I guess I did." No, I don't remember that. That's awesome. Very cool. He'll be 12 foot tall just like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> it's to scale. <laughs> yeah. Uh and it's got dedication is planned for his birthday, August 22nd. So he's going to be standing uh, with a book in hand. On yeah. a rocket ship. And it's inspired by the poem by Ray Bradbury, If Only We Had Taller Ben. So that's all. I it's, guess he is going to be taller, Ben. He's actually taller. Yeah. Taller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and the, the committee is a few thousand dollars shy of the statue's cost, but hopes to see the finished product with a last fundraising push. So if you're in the Chicago area, you might want to check that out, see if you can help them out. Very cool. William says on Thursday, the 16th of May, the BBC podcast slash radio show In Our Time will be about Mary Shelley's novel Frankenstein. It is available from the usual places and on its own website. And they have discussions on 
853 other topics to download, including the famous Year Without Summer that sparked the writing of Hmm. Frankenstein. The format of the show is that several leading experts are invited to discuss the topic in a sort of narrative style. You feel as though you are listening to a story, even though you're really listening to top experts having a discussion. The host, Melvin Bragg, deserves a lot of credit for keeping things flowing and understandable. Don't you wish we could do that for every book we do? Like just assemble a room of experts, you know. I mean, we could. We just don't have enough time. Fifty-three topics. I mean, if that was our job, then if that was our full-time Hire job, us, maybe BBC. we could do that. Yeah. Uh, no, this is fantastic. I love this one. I did a show for BBC. You did. Yeah, BBC did America, a- right? No, I did. Um, yeah, it was Click on BBC. So I think it oh, was you did actually Click on BBC. Yeah. All right. Yeah, nice. just once. I got interviewed by the BBC once for at CES. Hmm. They didn't like my answers. Why? Because I said that 3D TVs would be around for a couple of years because they'll just build it in every TV. And he kind of grimaced when I said that. He wanted me to trash them, I think. And were you, but you were wrong. No, I was absolutely right. You were 3D right. 3D TVs stayed around for several years because they built them in every TV. <laughs> and then people were like, yeah, we don't like this. <laughs> and then they stopped building them into every TV. Good on you, My Tom. TV has it. My TV has 3D built in. Like it's only in the past couple of years that they finally gave up. Hmm. Oh, uh, hey, I like this one. Uh, There is a tweet from NASA that Trike pointed out, uh, officially naming the 2024 moon missions, not Apollo, like the original missions, but Artemis, the sister of Apollo. Uh, And the mission is planning to include the first woman to walk on the moon. Uh, So I think the entire crew should be women astronauts, says Trike. Uh, But yeah, uh, that's, that's cool that, I mean, first of all, it's, more than cool that we will have the first woman walk on the moon if this mission is achieved. And I love the fact that they're naming it Artemis. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. That's really good news. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. William says the guardian has published an article advocating for the writing of more positive science fiction. It briefly looks through the history of both dystopian and utopian fiction and considers why we are so suspicious of utopias. It argues that while the world is far from ideal, many of us are in what others would call utopia to the extent that rather than most people dying before adulthood, we even, quote, have time to be outraged that chickens are ill-treated. Whoa. Positive visions of the future can allow us to build a better world. Yeah. I, you know, this, this kind of is, is the constant, like, we can fly in airplanes. Come on, people. We live in amazing times. But Everybody thinks simultaneously their time is the most advanced ever because, well, it probably is to that point, right? Mm -hmm. And also thinks their time is the worst ever because, I don't know, I guess it's evolutionary advantage to to never be satisfied with what you have. (laughs) Uh, But but yeah, I I like this. Uh, And with so much dystopian sci-fi and grimdark fantasy out there, uh, I feel like there is sort of an emerging desire for the positivity. Uh, it's one of the reasons I love the Becky Chambers book so much, uh, because even though everything isn't hunky dory, it's not a utopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much positivity in it. Uh, and, 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 and cheer amongst the characters. Yeah. I haven't read the third one, so I'm not into, I can't speak from total authority, but I can see where you're coming from. Um, yeah. We, I don't want to this- say like everything's, everything's positive even, but I don't know. There's just, a, there's just a good humor to the characters, mm-hmm. even when things are bad for them. We've definitely talked in the past about this pendulum that swings back and forth between the popularity of utopian uh-huh. versus dystopian fiction. Um, and it usually swings opposite to how the world is being perceived yeah. in that moment. So 
The call for utopian fantasy definitely leads me to believe that people are maybe not thrilled with how the world is going right now. But also there's always going to be that first world problem issue where everyone's like, oh, you know, that's a first world problem. You're unhappy about your chickens being ill-treated. First world problem. Yeah, yeah, it is a first world problem. But there's a lot of things that seem first world problem-y that are actually real problems or, you know, that might not be that important to other people necessarily. It just depends on your perspective for sure. And if our perception is that the world is dystopian, it kind of doesn't matter which developed, you know, whether we're developed or not developed, uh, we're probably going to want to have an escape from that dystopia Mm -hmm. that we perceive around us. Even if it's not dystopic around us, if we think it is, uh, it is to ourselves, right? So so you want something to kind of pull you out of that. And that's where the assertion that utopian fiction can sort of give us a, a the motivation to build a better word, world by imagining what that utopian world would look like so that we can not necessarily achieve it, but at least work towards it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, give Yeah, I like that. Inspirational, aspirational, inspirational, all of those things. As I was describing this positive, better world, Veronica was like taking off her glasses like, Ugh, I just... An eyelash in my eye. (laughs) First world problems. (laughs) But I looked up and I saw that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the dystopia right there. (laughs) She's living her internal dystopia (laughs) right now. You need that utopian fiction so bad. That's why it drives me to hard cider. (laughs) Anyway, it's time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Mel says, joining in with at Sword and Laser as they're finally reading the Martian Chronicles. I've been voting for it for years and had this copy waiting the whole time. Yeah, books and sundry. Yeah, I'm I'm excited also that we are we are reading this. Um, I started reading it. More on that later. Um, but that's a beautiful cover. That's like a really yeah. nice copy to have. It's a combo. It looks like it's one of those leather bound uh, combos of the Martian Chronicles, the Illustrated Man, and the Golden Apples of the Sun, and Ooh. it is gorgeous. Scott over email says, hey, folks, saw this and instantly thought of the distillery business in the Bobiverse. Cheers, Scott. And he links to an article, actually, on GovTech.com, which is uh, called Question of the Day. And it's about can AI make whiskey? And they do a little bit of a TLDR answer. Not entirely, but it can come up with the recipe. And it's a really cool read. It's like Uber for whiskey. It's it's more about like master blenders, as they say, can spend their entire lives trying to think up the personal uh, perfect recipe for whiskey, um, because there's like this infinite number of possible combinations of things you can do. So this this brewery, this distillery rather, uh, MacMyra teamed up with Microsoft to actually use their AI cognitive services to develop an algorithm, a machine learning algorithm that could come up with all of those combinations and just start spitting them out. And and then the distillery could test them and test the combinations. I mean, that's still like a lot of testing you have to do. Yeah. This is, uh, this is the thing I think some folks may get wrong about AI. AI is just really good pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. It's like pattern recognition juiced up. Uh, so this is the kind of thing AI is really good at. Give it, you know, hundreds of thousands of whiskey recipes with with maybe some general ratings about how good they are and say, go go and tell me new recipes. Uh, right. AI is really good at that. AI is not good at intuition. It can't intuit like, oh, you know what usually works is this. And what if I had that's what the the master whiskey maker is for. Right. Yeah. So so I'm not saying this replaces the, the master whiskey maker, but it certainly can like 
shoot out a bunch of recipes that are likely to be good. Yeah, it was trained on data, including uh, the MacMyra's legacy recipes, customer preferences, and sales numbers. And so the mm-hmm. result was a list of more than 70 million <laughs> likely crowd-pleasing recipes. <laughs> That's why you need the Whiskey Masters, because... We're not going to make all 70 million of them. So I, I don't know how they picked which one to go with or if they did some kind of amalgamation of all of them. I, I don't know. Like the sum, like, is that even going to be as good? I don't know. Uh, but it has notes of aniseed, ginger, and white pepper with a citrusy, spicy mouth followed by a dry finish. Literally called AI whiskey. Mm-hmm. David says, catching up on the Sword and Laser podcast and saw that Veronica's looking for comic book recommendations. <laughs> How about Echo by Terry Moore or Rachel Rising by Terry Moore? Scooby-Doo Team Up is a great book. I like it because it's one book, one adventure. Batman Long Halloween, RASL by Jeff Smith, Sam and Fuzzy by Sam Logan at samandfuzzy.com is a fun webcomic. David. Nice. Thank you. I kind of fell off the bandwagon a little bit. So I had trouble figuring out how to download things on Comixology. And so I gave up for a little bit. And then you couldn't figure out how to download them. I couldn't. Mm. I had this conversation on Twitter, so I don't want to uh-huh. rehash it. But yes, I had trouble figuring out because you can't buy things off the Comixology app. And I had right. trouble figuring out like what was out, what was upcoming, how to d- get oh, things on my device, how to like yeah, actually yeah, buy yeah. stuff no, on the website. Is, yeah. When you say, I, I knew this isn't what you meant, but when you say, like, I had trouble downloading, it's like, well, there's a download button. You tap it, Veronica. Geez, how hard is that? But you're saying, like, how to actually get the comic you wanted, which because of iOS, mm-hmm. not allowing you to buy right. things on the app makes it complicated. Bad user experience. And then mm-hmm. I had um, trouble figuring out, like, which, because there were, like, books of Saga, and then there were, like, individual issues. Right. That's always confusing. And so I didn't know like, which one I had read yet or needed to download next. It will recommend to me to buy compilations like the digital versions of trade paperbacks of things I've already read and own because yeah. I bought them issue to issue. And I'm like, you, you shouldn't do that because, and I know why they do it because, hey, I might forget and then buy it and go, wait a minute, I already own all these. So yeah, I don't well, like that. Well, that's what either. I was worried about too because I didn't want to, anyway, discussion for a different day. Jenny mm-hmm. says, hi, Tom and Veronica. It's your loyal librarian bringing you the OED entry on Scrumpy. Yes. I also wanted to say that I know I read Rivers of London because of others in Sword and Laser and was surprised to realize it was never an official pick. That series is amazing in audio. All right. Good to, good to All know. All right. So OED, uh, the OED definition of Scrumpy is loading right now. Boy, this is the OED. You know, it's big and heavy. Okay, here we go. Uh, of British origin meaning rough, strong cider, especially as made in the West country of England, also more fully scrumpy cider. Mm, okay. So it's a, it's a early, specific. One, early early uh, reference in 1903 in the English Dialectical Dictionary. These apples are of no good but to make scrumpy of. <laughs> scrumpy of. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Jenny. All right, should we talk a little bit about the Martian Chronicles? Yes. Um, I would like to hear your impressions first, please. Well, I mean, we're not ending this. It's just a midway. Yeah, this is not this is not a wrap-up. Well, though we will have the wrap-up pr- pretty shortly because we're doing another episode next week because of remember our schedule's a little wonky this summer. But yeah. Uh, but your impressions so far. I'm having a little bit of trouble. Okay. Um I feel like I'm kind of reading it in a fugue state. 
I don't know how better to explain it. Like I read, as you all know, late at night um, before I go to bed and they're short stories. And so sometimes I'll finish one and start the next one. And then I get real confused about what's going on uh-huh. because I'm kind of sleepy. And so there, because there's no like true through line, I guess, between the nope. stories, I'm like, well, what happened to the lady? What happened to the, well, did the doctor ever come? I yeah, get, you like, gotta <laughs> really dial back your expectations. There will be a couple of characters reoccur mm-hmm. throughout the book, but man, am I having a different experience of this than when I first read it, which I don't remember if it was high school or college. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was that long ago, you know, it was it was definitely, you know, late 80s, early 90s, uh, when I read it. And back then it was like, oh, what a great story. You know, I actually back then I was like, oh, this is a lot different than the made for TV miniseries <laughs> was kind of my impression. But I was like, oh, this is cool. Like it takes you through a bunch of different looks and things because I hadn't read a lot like it before. Uh, and when I say a lot like it before, I mean, I hadn't read things set on Mars before. So like mm-hmm. just that was enough to keep me focused and entertained. Like, oh, my gosh, what if it was like this? And the fact that we know for sure there are not <laughs> canals of water right. wasn't quite set in my mind back then. So, yeah, I I had an entirely different experience where I'm like, wow, this really doesn't hold together as a, as a story, as much as I remember, it feels more like a collection of short stories, even though it's a fix up, Yeah. uh, because well, it's a fix up of a, of a collection of short stories, right? It's, it was never meant to be a through line that said, I still have an appreciation for the chronicles aspect of it. Like once you shift your perception, it really does read like, Oh, these are the chronicles of some alternate universes uh, exploration of Mars by Earth and how how the Martians kept trying to keep us away and there's there's lots of commentary on on war and environmentalism and, and cultural invasion mm-hmm. yeah colonialism in there uh, so I I think the themes really hold up for sure also it's really funny and well written yeah it's just well written you're right it's super well written and i like the style very much of the writing and it feels very modern and that's kind of cool because you obviously get a sense from the content that it's not um so it rides an interesting line to me there are some especially in the earlier stories and i, I don't want to be spoilery so I, I, i'm not going to cite, cite any examples but yeah uh it, it starts to feel like some of the other books that we've read from that era, mm-hmm. right? Uh, some of which were by female authors and still kind of sexist because you know what? That's just what people felt they had to do in stories back then. Yeah. So so there's a, I started to get a little of that flavor. I'm like, okay, this isn't that different. Uh, but then of course he'll do something majestic <laughs> with his language and be like, okay, but it's really totally different. Even yeah. if, if some of that background is the same. Um, so we have a book briefing up that Tom put together. Uh, so thank you for doing that for our patrons. Um, and also on the forums, uh, the discussion is being broken up by short story. Um, so if you're jumping around oh, or nice. if you just want to go into a conversation about a specific short story, um, that's how people decided to organize this month, which I think is super cool. Uh, so hop in and and talk about the the short stories one by one or or greater themes if you feel so inclined. Um, I, I need to catch up. I'm a little bit behind this month, so I need to I need to get to get to get to some reading this weekend uh, in time for our wrap up. But yeah, I think it's it's fun and interesting. I just I I need to like sit down and just focus on reading it and get my brain out of that 
you know, linear style of storytelling that I'm, I'm accustomed to. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I, I'm trying to, what's the name of the, the woman who wrote empire strikes backs first draft I don't and remember. we read her. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I'm just blanking on the name and I need to go look up sword and laser book picks. Thank you for making a wiki for us. I know. I call seriously. It my memory. It wasn't time and uh, again, was it? Is that what no, you're thinking although of? That time and again is, is actually one of the, uh, one of the books in the, in the kind of the general feeling that I'm talking about, but, Oh, that's not right. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> I went to I went to swordandlaser.com slash picks by accident instead of the wiki. Um, that's the thing you say. Yeah. I what I'm trying to say is there oh here we go. Book list. There is a really interesting comparison to be made uh to these these old like AE Van Vote uh that we read or uh particularly I'm going to get there real, real, real quick. I mean, Catherine Valente is radiance is a good comparison because it's a modern take that doesn't have the baggage of the culture of the time while still mm-hmm. having this kind of majestic space opera ish language. It wasn't Hence, Connie Willis. Was it? It was Lee Brackett. Lee Brackett. Sort of Rihanna. Lee Brackett. Uh, sort of Rihanna because it takes place on Mars really is an interesting comparison uh, to, to what Bradbury is doing here because I think Lee Brackett and Bradbury, and I'm not trying to compare them as writers necessarily, are great examples of you can enjoy a story in a bubble uh, and say, okay, I'm I'm going to experience what stories were like back then. Mm -hmm. And Lee Brackett gives you a very rough and raw version of it, right? And a lot of people didn't like it because they're like, no, I don't want to be taken out of my bubble. I don't want to go into that 50s era. Ray Bradbury is probably an easier move because his writing is so good and his concepts are a little more familiar, right? He, he, he's not writing pulp. Uh, even if people said he was back then, he never was. Uh, he, he aspires to write something better. He aspires to be like a Hemingway, I think. Uh, and, and so it, it's more accessible in that way, but it is still so of its time in a totally pleasurable way for me. Good. Well, I'm I'm excited to dig into it. And I agree that there were some times where I was feeling nostalgic, I guess, for other book picks that we've had in a way mm-hmm. and being like, oh, yeah, this kind of feels I guess it's just of the time, like you were saying. It's a bit of time capsule. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which is which is always fun. Anything else you wanted to add about the book before we? No, wrap up? I would just say like if if I mean I'm sure people have already started it. It's May fifteenth for goodness sake. Probably most of you have finished it by now. But if you are recommending it to people or if you're just getting started on it, uh, think of it as historical. Think of it as lit- literature, and uh, and think of it as as a as a chronicle. Mm-hmm. Not it's more than a collection of short stories, but it's also not a single narrative. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up this pretty pithy episode of The Sword and Laser. Uh, Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Um, As always, our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. Thank you so much to all the folks who back our show. If you want to help us out, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussion happens over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.
goodbye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.